Good morning, Access. Um, so glad you could join us today. Uh, my name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here at Access. You know, just after the last, the craziness of the last couple of weeks, I'm so grateful that we can gather for this time to worship and to hear God's word. And so let's take a moment to pray and ask God to um, speak to us this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are faithful and good and that you are here with us. And so you would, we pray that you would help us to hear your voice this morning through your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. There's a scene from the musical Les Mis that I feel serves as a real fitting introduction to our topic today. The main protagonist uh, is a character named Jean Valjean. And he's just been released from a 19 year uh, term in a prison labor camp. And what was his crime? He had stolen some bread in order to feed his sister's hungry children. Well, now released, Valjean is destitute. He is, uh, doesn't have a place to go. And he finds himself uh, at the doorway of a church. And there uh, a priest welcomes him with warmth and kindness. Uh, this priest says to Valjean, come in, sir, for you are weary and the night is cold out there. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. Valjean accepts the priest's hospitality and takes in the warmth uh, of a bed and blanket. He fills his stomach with food and drink. But then in the middle of the night, Valjean steals some of the fine silver from the church and abruptly leaves uh, into the darkness of the night. Uh, but he is quickly apprehended by the police and he is brought back to the church and they bring him back. He's caught red-handed, the evidence glistening in front of everyone to see. And the priest does something unexpected. He quickly comes back with two silver candlesticks and he gives them to Valjean and he says to everyone, surprise, but my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Valjean, of course, is stunned. What mercy and unexpected grace. And when they are alone, the priest explains to him, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man by the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood. God has raised you out of darkness. I have bought your soul for God. The priest offered Valjean the gift of spiritual friendship, a small taste of the gospel. And in so doing, Valjean's life was transformed and completely changed. We are in a message series called Spiritual Friendship based on Ephesians chapter four. And in these times of deepening isolation and loneliness, we're trying to reimagine what friendship that is marked by the grace of God could look like and how it could impact one another. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Grace talked about the role of truth-telling in our spiritual friendships. 
Well, today we're going to look closely at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, and consider the role of work in our spiritual friendships. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. There were thieves in this community. The words translated stealing and steal come from the Greek root klepto, from where we get our colorful English word kleptomaniac, someone who can't stop stealing. And so Paul is saying, let the thieves thieve no more. Now it's worth noting that these thieves were already part of this Christian community, which is both interesting and challenging, isn't it? Because it's one thing to welcome someone into your community who used to steal, who used to do these things in a previous or a former life, Uh, But someone who is currently taking your stuff, would we welcome such people? Uh, I used to play the guitar a lot. Uh, I had a really nice acoustic electric guitar uh, that I used to lead worship with and uh, with which I actually sang a song to Grace when I proposed to her. Well, one Sunday after leading worship, uh, I left my left my wooden beauty on the stage where I always leave it. And when I came back later that afternoon, it was gone. Someone had stolen it. And since then, I've never strummed a guitar again. I'm just totally kidding. I I have played a guitar again, but I have not replaced that guitar. And to this day, I still don't know who took it. And I think what was really ironic about that whole situation was that it happened in a church. And it makes me wonder, would you and I welcome the Jean Valjeans of this world? Would we welcome them into our churches and our small groups, even our homes? But there they were, part of the Ephesian church. And it was enough of an issue that Paul addresses it specifically. And so he tells them, hey, steal no longer. But he doesn't stop there. He tells them, stop stealing and start working. Do something useful with your hands. The word work is from a Greek word that means to be wearied or spent with labor, faint from weariness, to labor hard, to toil. It's not, you know, yeah, I spent uh, five hours browsing YouTube videos at work today and then I took a two-hour lunch break. No, this is work that you put effort into, that you put your back into and your, your heart into. But there's more. Paul's not talking about working frantically like a hamster sprinting on a hamster wheel, going in circles nowhere. He says, work hard and do something useful with your hands. The word translated useful is from a Greek word, agathos, which means uh, good, profitable, generous, upright. So in other words, stop stealing and do honest work. And then it's as if he anticipates uh, their questions. Why? Why should we stop stealing when it's so easy? Why should we work hard and do something useful with our hands? Why? 
Well, people work for many different reasons, don't they? You know, when I was young, my first job was at a was as a host at the neighborhood restaurant. I made uh, six bucks and twenty five cents an hour, and I worked because I needed money so I could go to the movies. I needed the money so that I could go to my favorite grocery store down the down the street and uh, pick up a slice of this chocolate coconut layered cake that I would buy as a reward when I did well on a test uh, or, or just for being alive. Uh, we work for different reasons. Grace and I talk about how we're going to make, I mean, encourage our children to to work uh, so that they learn the value of discipline, being on time. Uh, they learn the value of money. As adults, we work to make a living and provide for our loved ones. We work because it gives us meaning. We work because we're good at it. We work because we want to be able to travel or or buy nice things. We work because that's just what we've always done. But Paul provides a very different motivation for work. It's a kingdom of God motivation that appeals to their nobler instincts. He says to them, work so that you might have something to share with those in need. Work so that through what you earn, you're able to give and to share and to meet people's needs, not just your own. Now, I think it's important to note that what we're talking about applies to all forms of work, including work for which we're not paid. There are people who stay at home, you know, there are stay-at-home parents whose work is the care and nurture of children. I have one friend whose work is volunteer. She applies herself diligently and passionately to the different boards and community organizations that she's a part of in order to contribute to the flourishing of her neighborhood and the city. Uh, During the winter storm, a friend of mine who is retired and lives in a retirement community got to work by breaking sheets of ice on the sidewalk so that it was safer for the other residents and delivered goods to the people uh, who weren't able to get out of their own homes. There are many ways to work in order to share with those in need. In the kingdom of God, work is more than livelihood or vocation or a way to pass the time. Work is about generosity. And in this way, we come full circle because by sharing with those in need, we can begin to disrupt and break the cycle that often drives theft in the first place. Paul envisions a community of people who are being transformed from being takers to workers to sharers. I wanted to highlight the work of Canal Mosaic Church. Uh, We're in fellowship with this amazing church that's located in Louisiana. Their pastors are colleagues and friends of ours in the Covenant, uh, which is our denomination. Um, Their church has a nonprofit called the Restoration Initiative. Uh, And this is their mission. Listen to this. At the Restoration Initiative, we believe that providing an environment of hope through job training and employment can both decrease the number of youth joining gangs reduce reincarceration, and lower poverty ratings. The task at hand is mighty, but we are thrilled to be a part of what God is doing in the city of New Orleans.
And so they have a couple of different initiatives like Flourish Ecoscapes, uh, which is an environmentally friendly for lawn care and landscaping business that provides employment to people coming out of inc incarceration. The Reunion Shoe Company uh, employs people transitioning out of homelessness to, to produce shoes. These are powerful examples of a transforming community. Through radical hospitality and compassion and discipleship, they are helping thieves thieve no more to become workers, to become sharers. I love those examples. So let me ask a question of us. Who are the thieves among us? I'm not sure if any of us struggle with theft. So let me frame it a little bit differently. Instead of stealing, let me talk about taking. Our sin and human nature orients us to be takers. And society and the world around us and media reinforces that message over and over again and reinforces that identity as takers. But it was not always this way from the beginning. Because in the beginning, God created us for good and he created us to be givers, not takers. We were created to give worship to God. We were created to give love and friendship to one another. And we were created to give goodness to the world that we inhabited. But early on, we traded that identity as givers for takers. And so we took of the tree of, of knowledge, which we were not supposed to take from. We took innocence from one another and we robbed one another of uh, true friendship and intimacy. But our greatest transgression is that we tried to take the place of God on the throne. We tried to take uh, God's place and place ourselves there. And the consequences of that are devastating. The consequences of a life of taking are death, spiritual death and relational alienation. But God who is rich in mercy even though we were dead in all of our taking, he gave us uh, not condemnation or judgment, but he gave us the gifts of forgiveness and mercy and new life through Jesus Christ. As Jesus poured out his life generously, sacrificially on our behalf, he gave us all the resources we need to be transformed from takers into givers. In our old ways of being, we take and we take and we take, we consume and we consume and consume. Our main question is, what do I get out of this? What's in it for me? But in our new ways of being, in our true selves, redeemed and transformed by Christ, we ask, what, what, what do I have that I can contribute to others? What can I give? How can I bless others who are in need? In a community of spiritual friends, we work with heart and hands in order to contribute to the common good and especially the good of those in need. 
And friends, this is what we saw a hundred times over here in this city, in our faith village, in our city, when the winter storm hit. Those of us who had wanted to share with those who were in need. We, we shared warmth and electricity and food and water, shelter and friendship and care. And it was a beautiful illustration of what we are talking about here today. Paul envisions a community that works in order to share with those in need. And so may we be a church. May we be a faith village of people who are being turned from takers into givers, who can declare to the world, come in, come in for you are weary and the night is cold out there. Though our lives are very humble, what we have, we have to share. I like to give us a little space just to reflect on what God might be saying to us this morning. And so for the next 30 seconds, let's just take this time to sit with the Spirit of God and listen to what He has to say to us today. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us towards generous joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen.